I pray that my life is worth it Every day that I'm writing these verses I've been feeling like I'm trying to make a living off everything I've been given when I'm fighting these urges I can deal with the pain that I'm facing To be honest, I've been making a statement Singing, racing, and chasing, and facing, and racing Everything I got up in the basement So to be the flow, to see the flow, to keep the flow, to beat the flow I need to know, to keep it low, I need to show The reason for the life that I'm keeping so So I know that I still know the reason Sacrifice for the life I believe in I thank God that I'm here and I'm breathing While I'm here, I'ma live with a meaning Cause I'm thinking that I'm rapping and but to go make it happen And everything I've been doing, I say that I want it back again I was just on my back and defending like I was actually making a way So I be feeling like it's really passionate I'm proving that it's my moment And choosing that I'll keep going I started to focus, I noticed that things in my life started moving in motion What's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of Jilly Talks The podcast where your story is not just told, it's needed I am your host Jilly And I am so excited that you have joined us today uh, We have uh, a story that I can't wait for you to hear And so I can't wait to introduce to you um, our storyteller for the day. But before we get there, let me just say thank you to everyone who has listened, uh, who has commented or shared, uh, or even just shared your appreciation for the podcast so far. It really does mean a lot. And uh, I'm so excited to bring even more stories to you in the days to come. Uh, today's intro track uh, was by a young, talented artist here in the city of Ottawa. He goes by the name of Zach Diamond. If you liked his music or or what you heard on the intro today, uh, you can find more from him on iTunes or Spotify. Man, you could even ask uh, Alexa, and she'll help you hear some more of his tracks. So it's Zach Diamond, and uh, you can listen to some more of his stuff uh, on any one of those um, music providers. So go and do that today. Go check him out. Um, you know, when I started this podcast, I was—I uh, had an, a plan. I had a uh, a goal in mind for for this podcast, and it was to offer a platform for people's stories, um, so they could they they could tell their story. Uh, and the hopes behind it was that other people would be encouraged by other people's stories. And uh, you know, the feedback that I've received so far has been overwhelming. Um, I've had people write me or message me and um, speak to me in person and just tell me how much um, the, the different stories have meant. Not not every story means something to everybody, um, but but numerous times I'm hearing people say, hey, thanks so much for, for allowing that person to share their story because it's where I'm at. It's what I'm going through. It's what I've been through. And it's good to feel like I'm not alone. It's good to know that there's somebody else out there. It's good to know that there's somebody I can maybe even talk to. And so... Uh, I'm just so excited that you know what I had seen and envisioned when it came to this podcast is actually happening, and I and I do believe that your story has the opportunity to impact people's lives. And so, um, if you have a story, I would love for you to tell it. Um, you know, some of us think our stories are insignificant, but but please hear me. Your story, uh, as much as you might think it's insignificant, has the ability to impact other people. Um, if you are interested, you'll find on my Instagram account, Jilly uh, Adam, you will find a um, a storyteller application that'll give you a chance to just fill out some information and uh, hopefully at some point get your story told here on Jilly Talks. Um, but I told you already, I'm excited about today's storyteller. Our guest um, today on Jilly Talks is uh, someone I met a few years ago. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say it was about six years ago, may have been seven. And, and I think it was specifically when we had a homecoming football game uh, at, uh, for our church. We, we had our kickoff to the, to the year in September, and we, we thought it would be a great idea for the over-30s to play the under-30s uh, in a football game. Now, my understanding to the rules were um, you had to be from 
our church because, um, you know, when you're from our church, we, 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 we try and keep it all a close knit group. Not true. Uh, but we, we, we thought, you know, let's, we have a chance of beating um, these under 30s. Uh, and we get to the field that day. It was a rainy day, and so the field wasn't in good condition. And uh, I look across the field and see somebody that I have heard of but don't quite know, and I can guarantee I did not see him on a Sunday before. And so, of course, my inner competitiveness started complaining from the beginning. And so I made sure that um, the entire day I reminded that team and this individual um, that he was not legally on this team. And, uh, and, and with, you know, I, I, I feel like I was justified specifically because um, I would give him a lot of the credit as to why they won because he is a, uh, as you'll probably hear at some point, a former university football player um, with cat-like reflexes, um, incredible speed. And uh, if ever you see a video of him working out, you know, he's hard to move around too. So, um, so I, I was, I feel like I was justified in complaining the entire time, but, uh, <laughs> I've gotten to, I've gotten to know this individual, um, a little bit more, uh, you know, since then. And we, we actually do, um, some similar things with our life now. And, uh, I'm, I'm really privileged to call him a friend and, and, uh, just somebody that I partner with in life and what we, and what we do and, uh, going after the same thing, same dreams. And so uh, I want to welcome to Jilly Talks today, Sean Naylor. Sean, welcome to, uh, an episode of Jilly Talks. Yo, what's up? How y'all doing? Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, Sean is on the road, and so you'll hear some car noises every so often. He is uh, driving uh, hands-free, just in case you are one of those <laughs> who really want to stick to the law, and you should be, uh, but he yep. is driving hands-free during this conversation. Um, but uh, I'm going to let Sean introduce himself a little bit more. So, Sean, go ahead and tell our audience um, who you are and where you're from and what you do and, and about your family, everything like that. Oh, the whole story. What time we got? Okay, let's just jump with it. Um... What do I do? Let's start with what do I do now and we can work back and then we can do this whole kind of jambalaya thing. Uh, right now, basically, I'm just a, I'm a content creator for uh, a TV program. I am uh, a network, rather. I uh, speak in schools, conferences, churches, wherever they'll have me in. I kind of talk that kind of a deal. And we go down the idea of leadership, of personal ownership of our life, those kinds of things. I'm a father to three boys, Ezra, Emmanuel, Ezekiel. I am married to Mireille Bruno, who's a singer, songwriter. Yeah, you can find her on Spotify. There's my shameless plug. Uh, and she's played in over 400 countries. Yeah, go. Sweet. I married up. Oh, yo. Um, as Adam said, yeah, I definitely played sports and am hyper competitive. So as he was complaining, I was trying to dig in deeper. Let me tell you with that football game. So. <laughs> Now, the technical rule is I did go to that church. Was I attending at that particular time? No. Uh, so, that goes that way. Uh, yeah. F fine print would say you shouldn't have qualified, but that's, that's beyond the point. Fine print, right. But we're, we're all in the business of networking and partnership development, so we saw good things coming out of that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Sean, um, you talked a bit uh, about what you do and, and, you know, um, your family, uh, where, where is it that you live now? I know you're from Ottawa, but where are you now? Where do you call home and, uh, and give a little bit of an idea of uh, why you are there in Sherbrooke. <laughs> well, told people. There. you told people where I am. So you, yeah. you dropped the bomb. Thanks to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, uh, when, 
I used to live in Ottawa. I went to school in Sherbrooke. That's where I met my wife. I moved back to Ottawa and I was working in Ottawa. I had my own company. And uh, then there came the time where my wife had to either stay at the school that she was working at because they offered her tenure, which just means they're going to give her a contract for the rest of her life. Or she has to go back to the school uh, that she was originally working at, which gives, which gave her tenure as well. So she had to make a choice because she has to let go of one of the tenure jobs. And uh, so we prayed about it. We thought about it. We kind of said, where's the best place for us to go? I had a couple of encounters where I thought that this was, this was where we had to go. And then on top of that, it's, one of the top three places to raise a young family in Canada. And I thought about where my life was headed and I felt the need to go to Sherbrooke. And so we packed up and went to Sherbrooke. Now I didn't, if I was to do it over again, I don't know that I would move to Sherbrooke mostly because it's a two hour drive to the airport. Every time I got to take an airplane. True. But if I lived in Montreal or in Ottawa, I think it would be about the same amount of time because of the traffic that you would encounter at those hours. Uh, but I, I do some local stuff with uh, the community in the area, and we're developing some, some pretty cool things that are coming up and out of the way. And so that's kind of why we're there. But I mean, it's really kind of one of those things that my family and my wife and I decided that that was a good place because it was in between our parents. My, my, in-laws live about two hours, uh, I want to say north, but anywhere that's up from my house could be north or east or west. I don't know. I just call it north uh, or redneck Quebec, either way. Um, <laughs> and then my parents live in, could still live in, currently in Ottawa. So it's a four hour drive, still doable. Okay, awesome. Now, you, you talk a lot about uh, what you do working with um, people. Um, what why do you do that work? And if I'm not mistaken, you work a lot of times with, um, you know, university or younger age groups. Uh, yep. What what gets you to that point? Why, why are you doing that work? I guess that kind of comes from one of the things that I've, I've always heard from one of my mentors is, you know, and it's from a, a French philosopher. And he says, life is lived forward, but understood backwards. And so I wish I could talk to myself before and say a couple of things to myself back then. And that's kind of the, the bent that I have. It's like, I'm trying to tell some young people, this is maybe where you should start to look at it. And I, I've learned a couple of things. One, you can't just teach young people things. You need to show them by example. And that's why it's really cool when you have a story to go along with why you make the decisions that you make. Uh, I was in a conversation with a, a couple of young men and they were like, how do you pick up girls? <laughs> I laughed because that was the question that they wanted to ask of all questions that they wanted to ask. And, and I never thought that my previous life in that realm would be something that they would want to hear about. And they were really concerned about it. And what I started to share with them was things that they thought they never had even thought of when it came to choosing a partner or having the partner and having the partner find you. Uh, and so it was kind of cool to go down that. And I do that because there's a lot of pain that we can avoid that's unnecessary. Now, mm -hmm. I believe that there, that pain is necessary in life. And some people get mad at me for saying that, but I think it's necessary. Uh, we might not always understand it when we have the pain, but it's necessary for the development of our character and the way in which we grow. So like we don't understand what it's like to miss somebody until we miss somebody. And then we understand the pain of through that pain. We understand that time is valuable with whoever, whoever we're hanging out with. So we have that whole like kind of value part where we don't fully understand the time 
that we're in unless we've had pain of time that we've missed. So, you know, um, like as you're, you're a road guy, I'm a road guy. We like to go out on the road, but we also like to come home. Mm-hmm. And we, we have that whole feeling of like, when, as we start approaching, you know, you're coming off that last exit of the highway to your house. And then you're like, your heart starts to flutter a bit. Cause you're going to, you're going to see your spouse and then you're going to see your children. And you're like, this is going to be awesome outside of the, 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 uh, the craziness that happens as soon as you walk through the door, but it is what it is. But you know, like that time that you spend with them, it's really valuable. And as anybody who's on the road, you contemplate the time that you're away from your family, from your friends. And then you revalue that amount of time for how long you value it is how long you value it. But I think that's so important for us to teach young people that there's going to be pain and we learn through that, but we can also avoid lots of unnecessary pain that we don't need to learn from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like just bad, like bad decision making. Yes. Okay. So, so hang on. Let me, let me stop you there for a second because you mentioned pain a little bit and, yeah. uh, and talking about how we will go through pain. There's difficult moments and, and, uh, and, and it's true. We, you know, I look at my life and there's been moments where there's that pain, but let, let's get to, to your story where, where you talk about, like, as, as I'm saying, you, you talk about pain. So in your life, there's been moments of pain and difficult situations before we get to, you know, the, the meat of everything, the, the heart of your story, could you kind of explain to me about your upbringing? Because I know as a kid, you know, I've read your story and you were adopted, correct? Yep. So talk to me about life as a kid who's been adopted into a family, what that was like for you. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting thing altogether, right? I mean, we have, when you're adopted versus being biologically born, you have these things that kind of like shape who you are. One of the things that shape you who you are when you come essentially out of the womb, the physical representation in front of you is what you think you're going to look like. You have, oh, I have my father's ears. I have my mom's fingers or whatever, right? So there's this kind of like at least a genetic mapping of what your life is going to look like like what you physically are looking like. So then that kind of relieves some of that tension or put some tension on if you don't want to be like your parents, whatever, you know, if they're mm-hmm. overweight or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if, uh, as being an adopted child, you don't have that right off the jump, you don't get that. And then you have these questions of like your, 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 your nurture, right? So how does your nurture come into the, into the picture as well? So like my parents, they're white and I'm black. For those of you who don't know, you can check that out. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always ironic when, I mean, it's hilarious for me when people find my, see who my mom and my dad are, and they realize life is much different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we look much different. Rather. Um, but being adopted, you are already, you're not at a disadvantage. I would almost argue that you maybe you could argue that you're almost at an advantage because you realize your identity is not going to be built in the way in your physicality of what you look like and that you're already beginning the search early on for who you are right as we mature we begin to separate ourselves from our parents and so as we separate from our parents we start to build up who we are we start to see you know our weaknesses our strengths and these things and the why is like why why am i adopted you know people will say well it's because of this scenario and this scenario but you want to hear as a you want to hear from the horse's mouth is to use an old expression an archaic expression you want to hear from the horse's mouth exactly why mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, I, for teenagers, I say it's like when you're, someone breaks up with you and they break up with you through a friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the worst. Like you, 
but you want to know why. Well, this is what they said. Be like, but I want to hear it from them. I want to read their body language. I want to read everything about them. So then I can be like, oh, okay, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the old adoption, pro, uh, being adopted and growing up, you already start with like, who am I? Where am I from? And, and why? Like, why am I here? Yeah. So did you know from a young age or did you always know that you were adopted? And if, if so, you know, how did that make you feel? And then like, you know, when you think about your parents and why you said, you know, why, why am I adopted? Why am I not with my family? And if you didn't, you know, what was it like when, or how, when you first found out that you were adopted? I guess, I mean, my skin is black and my parents are white. So from the jump, I thought there was something up. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know what? It wasn't, I never really had an issue with being adopted. I never had this like grand awakening. But, the grand, I, but I guess conversely, I would say the grand awakening, if there was ever one, was when I found a, a friend of mine was adopted and they didn't want other people to know that they were adopted. And I was like, why? Why don't you want to know that, like people to know that you're adopted? Why don't you want to go look out for your biological parents? Because I was like, well, you might as well go do that. Like that's normal for me. And seeing that, like some people want to hide behind it because they feel shame in it. They feel rejection. They feel all these things. And I guess early on as being adopted, I didn't have to have that question. I just knew that I was, well, I was adopted. It was clear. My dad was black or my mom wasn't black. So I was like, yeah, I'm different. Okay. So, so, I don't know if that so your question. yeah, no, that, no, that's fine. Cause I know there is a story of, of somebody out there. I, I think it was, Reggie Dabbs actually, who shares his story and he never even clued in. And that was his kind of, uh, his story as well. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the age, actually one of those two things where he was kind of like, wait, am I adopted? And, uh, even though there it was some obvious signs that he was, um, he, he wasn't sure. And so, no, but it's interesting to, to hear, to hear that. But, um, in, in your story, you, you talk about a moment that your parents probably never had to go through. Um, and it happened when you were, I believe nine years old at a, at a swimming pool. Um, and that kind of was the beginning of some, you know, deep thinking and, you know, almost, uh, a, a path towards a life that maybe you today would say, um, I regret, even though you're happy for your story, you you regret a lot of the decisions you might've made. Um, but, but, people about about what happened that day when you were nine years old uh well so like any nine-year-old right a nine-year-old back then i say back then my gosh i'm getting old um back then at this the local swimming pool <laughs> the wave pool um we had a, a high school birthday party with one of my friends and there's a bunch of rambunctious nine-year-olds we were just messing around in the uh the locker room and uh, a gentleman decided to use a, a racial slur in describing who I was. And I actually didn't even know what that meant. I didn't, mm. like, I didn't know that word even existed. I didn't like, what is that? What does that mean? Um, and, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm uh, he called me a nigger. Now I have to say that I don't think everybody would have responded to me that way. I think that this was an individual that was just that way. Um, but it definitely sparked something in me that I was different because he didn't label everybody else with this name. He just spoke to me with this name. Mm-hmm. And so I thought like, okay, what does that mean? If someone's going to call me this, it's obviously something, it's an immutable characteristic that I have about myself. And so then I have to start asking questions. Am I different? 
Because mm-hmm. up until that point, I thought I was the same as any other person because my skin was darker. And I, I started making all of these choices, and there were like just extreme decisions swinging in the pendulum from one side to the other. Oh, my goodness. And I think the problem is, is that we have taken for granted and not approached people developing their identities uh, and, and searching for meaning and purpose, not through their identity, but through who they are. And I made the mistake, the cardinal error of saying, this immutable character is who I am. So for me, this immutable character is uh, black skin. Like, I can't change that. So and one of the mistakes I started to make was, I thought that that meant be something like what you see on movies, because that's what was, was told to us. That's what black people are. And so I tried to be that. And that was obviously ridiculous. Trying to be angry at white people because I'm a black guy, because the movies tell me that my parents are white. Go figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So but, uh, what, what happens from there? You, you, you're now wrestling with this identity of, you know, not just who, who am I, but how am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to be? And as you go through high school, um, your actions start to take on probably different than what your parents would have wanted you to be like or to uh, how, how you would act in public or even in private. It began to change from what your parents had kind of raised you to be. Could you tell our audience, you know, what lifestyle you began to take on in high school and, and, and you know, it coming from that whole identity crisis? Well, during the first of my couple of identity crisis and I think identity crisis that's a good way to, to phrase it I think we have multiple identity crises as we as we age I think they're they're more we, we have better tools to understand that we're in the crisis as we get older but when we're younger we express them emotionally because that's a natural response is to respond emotionally and then unlike when we're older we respond emotionally and then respond with some kind of tool or something we discovered and whatever and we move on but when we're young, we just respond emotionally without any kind of pathway in there. And uh, as I was younger, when uh, I first had crisis was rejection. I'm like, I am a reject because my birth mom rejected me. My birth father rejected me. And so I always tell young ladies uh, that when they're uh, in pursuit of a, a young man, that it's very, you have to be very careful who you let get close to you because you don't know the baggage that they're carrying. And so one of the baggages that I carried was that I was going to ruin every single female. I was going to break their heart as best I could. And the only way I knew how to do that was to get them to give themselves to me 100% physically, because that was something that I could quantify and then I could break their heart. I could leave them. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, I had it down to a science. I, li- I, I, I want to say that and I don't say that in a, in a, an arrogant way. I just had a list of questions that I would ask and I could identify very quickly where in which this per- this person was in relationship to me. Like, was this going to take a day? Was this going to take six months? Was this going to take three months? And probably we do the physical. And when that happened, once that happened, then I, uh, we, we, we'd be together for a little bit or whatever. And then I would break up with them. And I, or I'd get, I would get them to break up with me. I was kind of a weird kid that way because I, I liked, I could accept rejection. Yeah. I've been dealing with it. So I would get them to break up with me, however that made that look like. And I'd already have somebody else in the queue because I was ready to break the next person's heart and get that to happen. So my first identity crisis was having to deal with the fact that I was dealing with, I thought I was a reject. And uh, then that led into 
coming into out of high school where I kind of went down the road of selling drugs and uh, because I didn't know what else to do. And I literally said to myself, well, what am I going to do now? I guess I can sell drugs. That's what I said. <laughs> it was no big, like, I don't come from a hard family. I don't come from terrible life, like a life just made the choice mm -hmm. and uh, made some pretty terrible decisions to, in that lifestyle. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I started selling drugs and that kind of helped me make more bad decisions and aided in it. Yeah. So, so, so you go through your different stages of figuring out who you are. You, you realize, you know, I want to hurt girls um, emotionally. And, and yeah. I, I read in, in your, your blog that, you know, that came out of your frustration or your anger towards your birth mom. Yep. Um, and then you go through this other phase of what am I going to do with my life? I want to sell drugs and, yep. and that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to be good at it, make money. And you were doing well, from what I understand, you were doing yep. well financially. Uh, but there yep. came a moment where you lost everything yep. and led to another um, decision you had to make about a lifestyle choice. And, and, I, and I think I read on your blog, it actually says that um, you saw something or an opportunity to make 99 cents a minute, I yep. think it was. And, and you actually wrote on your blog, you said that's a story on its own. So, so what is that story? Well, so... One thing I want to preface before we go down this road is I am so happy that the internet is not what it was then what it is now. Yeah. Put that out there. Um, and I, I put that there because it's, I'm a bit of an artsy guy. So I, and I like, and I'm a poet. So I like these poetic kind of like licensing and writing. Um, basically what had happened, I had lost everything, like every single dollar I had, any kind of whatever connection, because that's how the drug game leaves you. Uh, it leaves you dead, destitute, or destroyed so you figure out which one you want in that one mm -hmm. um there's a way to be delivered but we can talk about that one later <laughs> um but uh so i was looking through the newspaper and i couldn't really read and write very well so i had someone kind of like walk me through what the article was like you know in the the what do you call those things there i totally forgot they just have job postings in the back uh, of the newspaper and uh one of them said uh, $20 an hour uh, or, you know, or more, no need, no uh, experience required. I'm like, oh, well, it's not a lot of money because I've been coming from some other level lifestyle. Let's try it. See what it is. I don't need any experience. And uh, I got to this interview, we can call it that. And like, I know a sleazeball, like a dirt bag when I see a dirt bag, like, I mean, I just, that's the life I've been living in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this guy's a dirt bag. And, but I was hungry. And when you're hungry, hey man, it's a whole nother level of pain. Really. Yeah. Um, in some, in some instances, being hungry is a good thing. As we always say in sports, you want to be a hungry player, right? Cause you're always striving to get better. Um, and, uh, in this case, that was, this was not uh, a good hunger. Um, the young, the, the guy that was there, it's like, yeah, just come on over here to the gym. You're going to do this thing here. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. We get there and he starts shooting a video. And he's like, okay, so now you're going to take your clothes off. I'm like, uh, okay. So I'm like, my shirt, sure, whatever. 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, everything's going off. I'm like, what? I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm hungry. And this guy's going to give me a place to stay. So that's what we did. He took some kind of video of me in the nude. I'm not sure how you want to go about that, but it is what it is. And then it turned into me becoming a prostitute online uh, where people would call in for 99 cents a minute and they would watch what you do and those kinds of things. And so, um, I mean, I don't care what anybody says about the sex industry. It is not a place where good things come out of. End of story. Every single person that has got out of the sex industry has not been like, yay, and celebrated. Yeah. It's not a place where, again, like I said, good things grow. It's not. It's a, it's a place where you devalue yourself and you, you slowly, like, so in your workspace, essentially what happens, especially in North America, is every time you get a, a promotion in your job or you do something new, or there's another risk involved, you end up getting paid more, right? So that's kind of where our philosophy works in North America. You, you essentially get paid more. So if you go from being uh, a senior pastor, are we still there? We're good? Yeah. You go from being a, a youth pastor to a, a senior pastor, your, your salary goes up. If you go from being a junior software engineer to a senior uh, software engineer, you go from being the, uh, the manager to the CEO, you just get a pay increase. Whereas in the sex industry, when you do more, you either keep the value the same or you devalue. Because they're like, well, you already did this, so you'll do it again. But here, we're only, we're only going to give you this. You did that, so you're only going to do this. Really? So what, the sex industry is, is a terrible industry. Wow. It, 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 there's nothing good out of it. So how long, how long did this pattern or this life, um, lifestyle um, go on for you? Uh, it came to a crux, actually. And that's when I, that everything changed. I, I have actually, haven't actually shared this with anybody yet. And I don't mind sharing it now. Mostly because I don't really, like, I, I think I've said this a million times in the sense <laughs> that I'm pretty comfortable with it now. Because just where we are. Um, but the, the whole thing is this, is that at some point, it's about a, the thing that I was doing for about three months at this point, which still seems like an eternity the way, when I look back on it. Yeah. Um, I got a phone call and said, hey, we'd like you to come do this video. And I said, okay. They're like, we'll pay you $50,000. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. Like, that's, some, that's real money now. And so I thought about it. And, my, and then they contacted another guy and said, hey, yeah, you have to do that. And then they started talking about the things that we kind of do during this video. And I, I started thinking to myself, what the heck am I doing? Like, what, what is this? I'm like, Sean, you know exactly where this goes. You have been on the other side. You were the one leading this kind of abuse. Like you were a drug dealer. You saw what happens when people get into the sex industry and they get into where you're about to get into. There's all these false promises. And I'm like, you're going to go do that for $50,000. Don't you think you're worth more than that? It's like, I am worth more than that. Because I had aspirations to be a... Uh, you know, a, um, a professional sports athlete. And what's the minimum salary they get for what they do? You know, at, at any other. Like, I mean, CFL, it's, uh, hey, thanks, 70,000. 70, yeah, NBA, you're at 500,000. NFL, you're at 500,000. That's 500,000. They value themselves at 500,000. And you know what? When they go home at night, they feel probably better about themselves than you're going to feel out when you go home. 
You're going to feel the biggest case of uh, shame you've ever felt in your life. It's going to be a a giant two-four of shame. I was like, oh. And that's when I had the – and that part, that detail, I never really shared anybody. So, yeah, kind of did that. And uh, So so you get to that point of $50,000, sure, why not? Hang on a second. I don't think I want to do that. Where is the moment where things change and you say, I, I can't be a part of this anymore. I got to go back home. Well, for your audience, I grew up in the church and left the church. Um, mm. a too, an all too common story for a lot of people. Um, and in, in the, uh, during my time there, I learned a couple of parables. One of the parables I learned is a story about the prodigal son. And he has this line that I think whether you're a believer or not, you get the principle here. And if you have a good dad, this makes sense to you. If you have a good family system, this makes sense to you. And he says, if I was a slave to my dad, if I just worked for my dad for free, nothing, it would be better than what I have now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I worked for my dad and he gave me nothing, it would be better than it is now. And his inheritance for me is probably going to be greater than $50,000. Yeah. And my dad doesn't put a, a value on, on my head. He doesn't put a numeric because he doesn't have enough. He would, there wouldn't be a no amount of money that my dad could, could receive to give me up. Wow. So I was like, well, well that's somebody I would, I'd rather work for. So I actually tried to give him a phone call. I was out, out west in uh, British Columbia in the, uh, in the Whistler Mountains. And there was no signal, whatever. And finally, I got a signal. I was walking around the house after doing a shift. And that's what, we kind of call it, we called it a shift because it made it normalized what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, I finally got a call to my dad. My dad has like a, a uh, landline. They don't have a caller ID. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> and I called my dad. And I don't know what I'm going to say to him because I'm like, hey, dad. I, am, I was a drug dealer, I got robbed, and now I'm a prostitute. How do you start that conversation off? You can't. Um, and uh, I, uh, I said to my dad, well, actually, I just started breathing. I didn't know what to say. And my dad could tell me from my breath as to who was on the phone. Wow. And he stopped me. Like, and I almost think it's kind of like that epiphanic the epiphanic moment that you have everything just stops world stands still for those of you who have been married or who got married was that moment you said i do your wife or your your spouse everything just stopped you couldn't even hear anything and he said i love you and i just broke like because mm-hmm. when he says that the value that he gives you gets restored right you're fully restored he doesn't value on the things that you have, that you're going that you're doing for him. It's not the things that you have done. It's based on none of that. Full well knowing all the stuff that I've already done, he says I love you. That's his first like inroad back to my life. And woof, I always get choked up at this part. You think I'd not get choked up about this, but I still do. Um, <laughs> so 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 you move you move home. Yeah. And uh, and things begin to turn around right away or was there a moment where I want to change my life but the bad stuff keeps calling well 
I like to tell uh, I like to tell people there's a couple of things that happen when we change our life around. The mistake we make is that we think that cold turkey is going to work. Now it does work for some people. I have seen that, and that just be it. But I know that sometimes the demons of yesterday like to poke their head out, and so you can either use the 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 the, the idea of there's kind of still some stains left in the in the clothing that have to still get worked out, or you have the the demons of yesterday that keep kind of calling. And so I, that's my life right there. They kept on calling. Mm -hmm. The first kind of, I had the first resistance. I had the second resistance. And the resistance wasn't to go back to being a prostitute. I'll tell you that there was no, there was no drawback to that one. But to go back to doing the same thing with women, to go back into that kind of a lifestyle of party booze and, and just ludicrousness was definitely there. Um, as, cause, but my dad was smart in the sense that he spoke truth in love he told me from the jump that he loved me and then he said sean you're going to school mm. that's what's happening now and i think that when we submit ourselves to somebody that we trust and we know loves us when they tell us the truth and they give us a even if it's just the beginning part of the map of our life we're way more receptive to listening to that so for a leader or a counselor those things are awesome for us because we come in love and we speak truth I think as a trainer, one of the things I always tell people is like, if they're fat, I said they're fat. Like, and I didn't not lie about that. That's what's the point of that. Okay. I want to tell them the truth because they're going to, they're going to respect me and they're going to trust me to continue with them. And I say that mm -hmm. in love, right? Because I'm there with you. I want you to win the long game. And uh, so my dad said, that's what we're going to do. And we started working, found a way to get into school, finally got into school, found a way to learn to read and write. And then it just, as, as you start making better decisions, it's easier to make better decisions. Not to yeah. say all of my decisions are good decisions, but they're easier to make the better ones. Wow. So a kid from, from Ottawa who gets kicked out of school, who basically moves across the country, um, gets into the drug game, yep. becomes a prostitute, and moves back home is now working with the next generation. Yeah. Is there a moment where you stop and you think, how did this happen? Oh, definitely. I just want to clarify one note though. I, I got kicked out of school and was back into high school. I've never been kicked out and stayed out. Just so okay. everyone's there yeah. on that one. Uh, yeah. I got kicked out of the Ottawa Carlton School Board uh, for something that happened after the Columbine shootings. Being <laughs> 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 a dumb kid. Okay. Love everybody. But um, yeah, sorry, I forgot the second question there after you followed up. After that. Do you, do you ever do you ever look back and, and and think, you know, how did this happen? Oh yeah, all the time. I'm still thinking about it right now. I'm literally yeah. thinking about. Like, I mean, I got an email from somebody yesterday because one of the things I think people make a mistake about people like yourself and I is they think we have it all together. Yeah. But really, they're just seeing our gift on display, like our. our our talent on display. We're good with words. We know how to put ideas together and make them palatable and digestible and invoke a, a feeling or a, a response. That's what a communicator does. And so in this case, I, I, I look back and I, I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm not sure. And I got an email from somebody. I couldn't believe that that, that, that opportunity is there. And for what? To speak more into the lives of young people? This is insane. And mm -hmm. all because I thought, 
one of the things I thought is that because of this, I would not be able to do that. Because I had this lifestyle, I would not be able to invest in young people this way. But in fact, it's actually catapulting me faster and faster into this whole field because when we speak truth and we share people the actual road that we walk down, I believe that there's an opportunity for genuine change and engagement to happen. Yeah. And when I look back, I'm like, my goodness, this is the kind of idiot I was before. If I see that idiot ever again, I got to talk to him. I got I to yeah. tell him, like, you have so much potential. Do not waste your potential with purposelessness. Waste yeah. it on purpose. Waste it on meaning. Waste it on destiny. And I'm, like, that's where we're supposed to use our potential. Right? I, I was talking to a young guy on Instagram yesterday. And he's direct messaged me. He's, he's like, school is boring. I said, yeah, you're right. It's boring. <laughs> I get you. But you still got to do it nonetheless. And he's like, yeah. why? I'm like, because you're learning for how to deal with your life after you finish school. You're learning all your principles of your development later. If you can't figure it out now with all the safety nets around you, it gets harder and more difficult the moment that you leave school. I mean, you notice that when you, when you went from high when you go from kindergarten school to high school, when you go from high school to college, and when you go from college out into AKA the real world, it's a whole different ball game. And at each of those levels, if you haven't developed the principles before going into those levels, so you have some kind of life theology to deal with the things that you're going to deal with, oh, buddy, it's going to be a tough road. Yeah, absolutely. Now, very quickly, as we, as we kind of bring this, this episode to a, a conclusion, um, for us, we, and I say this often in, in my podcast, because, you know, oftentimes I'm interviewing people who, um, who would consider themselves a person of faith and we, we put a lot of uh, credit into our relationship with God as to the one who helps us and, and heals us. And, uh, but for you and your story and what you went through, what would you say to somebody who is stuck in a pattern of life that they know they don't want to be in, um, but can't seem to get out of it? What would you recommend to them that would be the first step to helping them come out of that cycle and to move forward in a life that has much more, as you said, purpose to it. Uh, one of the things that I would do would be to make a plan, create something that says, this is where you want to go. This is where you are now and be very real and authentic to where you are. Like just say where you are. Cause you, you can't lie to yourself. Mm. You know the truth. So tell yourself what it is. Okay. I, uh, I, I like you make your own personal map. You say, okay, I, I'm lazy. I am, uh, I spend too much time on social media. I, I don't engage people face to face at all, whatever your plan is. And then whatever your, your status is, your character development, I mean, your, your character sketch, and then look to where you want to go. What do you want to be? Yeah. Now, however far those are, that's great. Now make, very minute adjustments because some of the things we make, we make the mistake of thinking that this minor adjustment in my life has no, has no uh, meaning to the rest of my life. But just like I told that young guy in, 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 who's in high school right now, those are the places where we learn the principles that we can build and use later on in life. Principles are great because they, they go into every area of our life. If, yeah. you're, if you uh, are not good with eating, you see the result of that. If you're not good with your finances, you see the result of that. You see, the, you see both of them. So I would tell myself, or whoever, whoever that is, make small steps and detail each of the small steps. So if the first one is wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning every day, 
start doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and then watch what happens to your life as you start to do these little minute things that you change your life. Because after, you know, maybe a year, one of the things that's going to happen to you is you're going to get excited about those steps that you make. There's a guy named David Ramsey, okay? another an old guy. But his philosophy in getting people out of debt is not to pay the biggest debt down first. It's actually to pay the smallest debt first. Because what happens is when we pay that, we've, we get this like euphoric moment where we've just accomplished something. And so the, when we do that, as we approach the bigger goal, we're willing to make greater sacrifices for the bigger goal to happen. So we get used to making those sacrifices and saying no to those smaller things. And so when the big things come, we know what to do as they approach, when to make a good decision on a big decision. Yeah. Uh, and so those are kind of the things I tell uh, I would love to tell myself, a young person, whatever. Those I hope that answers the question. By the way. Yeah, no, for sure. That's great. Now, one final question then, and I'll give you a chance to, to kind of, you know, let people know how they can connect with you on social media or a website or whatever. But uh, the question I ask are, are, our guests every single time is this one because I, I like to offer some sort of advice for the next generation. And, and sometimes when we are able to personalize it, I think it goes over a little bit better. So the question I have for you today is this, is if you could, knowing what you know now, the good, the bad moments, um, what would you say to high school Sean Naylor about life? Well, do you have a, do you have a scribe <laughs> close to you? We have like a voice dictation on right now. It's going to be a minute. Uh, I've often thought about this. Like what would I tell myself? Because it's a good question. Because I could say I would say a whole book, but then I probably wouldn't read the book. That, that Sean Hiddle wouldn't read the book. So I'd have to come down pretty condensed. <laughs> I'd tell, I would tell my younger self, play the game for the long term. Because in the long term, you're going to have greater sense of fulfillment. It's going to be so much better for you. Mm. You're, it might it, you, and delay the instant gratification because when you delay it, the gratification that comes when the right moment is there is, is there's no word to describe it. It will be better than you ever thought it could be. And then take every moment with the same value and the same effort intended. So that way the moment doesn't change you. You stay the same in the moment. And to, I guess to put that with an actual little bit is like I always say to everybody, when I speak in front of 10,000 people, I'm the same person as I speak to one person. I don't change. Yeah. So that whenever I'm speaking to a small group or an individual, they get the same Sean. It's not a, it's not a different person all of a sudden because there's a lot of people or a little amount of people. It's the same person. For sure. you want to be, so that's the kind of way that I want to see in every moment. I would say, Sean, be the same person that you are everywhere. Good. And then all likewise, play the game for the long term. Invest in the long term because the fulfillment, the purpose, the destiny, the meaning, all of that when it comes together is going to be way better than you ever thought could be. That's awesome. That's great, Sean. Well, I appreciate it. Um, if you are a teacher, a business person, or a student, or who, whoever, you find yourself in, a, in a, a life where you have the opportunity to bring in a guest speaker to your event, it could be a church setting, non-church setting, you want somebody to come in and share either a motivational talk or share their story, um, you can find Sean and you can book him for your event. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Um, but Sean, let everybody know before you go how they can connect with you, how they could find you and follow your journey um, uh, you know, after this conversation today. Well, that's, uh, if I could blush, I would blush after that. Thank you so much. 
um, but I can't. I don't change very many colors. I maybe I get darker, but that's I need the sun, so it needs a couple of days at least for that to happen. Um, <laughs> but you can uh, you can find me on all of my social media is all the same. It's Sean Naylor at Sean Naylor. It's N A Y L O R. That's the last part because everyone spells it kind of wrong. But Sean is spelled the right way, which is S H A W N N A Y L O R. And you can also find me on my website at seannaylor.ca. That would be totally cool. And uh, hey, man, if you want to ask a question, reach out. And I'm going to say the same thing. I know that this is Adam's podcast, Mr. Gilly, and he's fired. So uh, check him out. Book him because he's awesome too. And he's a good friend. Thank you so much, Adam. Well, I appreciate that. Um, thanks so much again, Sean, for, for joining the episode and uh, look forward to us talking more um, after this and, and just, you know, continuing to encourage each other uh, in our journey and, and, and what the, the things that we're going after in life, playing the long game together. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for you as a friend and really excited for, for where you're at and even more so about where you're headed with you and your family and the plans for your life. So thanks so much for being a part of it. And I look forward to connecting with you again very soon. I want to thank you for listening to Gilly Talks again this week. Um, it was great to have Sean Naylor with us. I do encourage you to check him out online. Find him on social media somewhere and, uh, and, and connect with him somehow. If you have questions, if you feel like you've got, kind of gone through the same thing, maybe you have a story similar to his and, and uh, you just ask, want to ask some questions, find him and uh, hopefully get some answers. If you have a story, we would love to share your story on Jilly Talks. Um, you can find it in my uh, Instagram uh, profile. You can find a storyteller application. Share your story on there, and uh, we'd love for you to be able to share it um, here on a podcast. And, uh, and just want to thank you again for, for listening. Uh, we are, are on multiple platforms now, and uh, it's just really exciting to see where this podcast is going and the lives it's impacting, as I've heard from many of you so far. So again, thank you so much. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. From Jilly Talks, I am your host, Jilly. We'll talk to you soon.